views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. And of course, welcome back to another episode of Friday Night Live Stream. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Do me a favor, don't forget to like the show on your way in. If you're on Rumble, you hit that thumbs up. If you're over here on the Foxhole, you click the red pill. If you're on Odyssey, you click that flame. It's all just below the video where you're watching right now. As you can see on the card tonight, my guest is Sandy Modell. Sandy is the author of a tragic book. It's called Murder and Corruption in Florida. It's about the death of his son and his quest to seek justice for him. And Sandy is going to be with us tonight. For the full two hours, you can ask him your own questions or give your own experiences in the second half of the program. If you're interested, you can also purchase Sandy's book on Amazon. I am dropping that link into all the chats right now. As always, I appreciate it when you support the guests of this program. Sandy's a great guy, and uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. All right, guys, do me a favor, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we'll be right back after this. All right, good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for being here tonight, and please join me in welcoming our guest for this evening, Mr. Sandy Modell. Sandy, how are you, sir? Good evening, Zach. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate your support, and I've been looking forward to this. Absolutely. So have I. So, Sandy, uh, before we get into uh, the story itself, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're not uh, necessarily a truth ranger. I mean, this isn't uh, you're not an author. You haven't been doing this for your entire life. No, not at all. I spent uh, 30 years in sales, uh, retired about uh, 17 years ago, retired a little bit early, went back to school and became an adjunct professor at UCF. So life was good. And uh, um I was probably the, you know, the epitome of middle America, wife, kids, career, and um, just a fairly normal life. This, uh, this episode and the circumstances that follow have pushed me um, to taking action beyond what I would normally be interested in doing. Well, unfortunately, all too often, that seems to be what forces people into a role such as yourself. You've got to go through something in order to achieve something that makes a difference. And as terrible as it is, I'm hoping that the work you're doing will have a difference uh, and make a difference for people now and into the future. Tell us a little bit about your son. What was his name? My son's name was Ryan. Um, He was 32, about two weeks short of his uh, 33rd birthday. And he was the son you would want. Um, A wonderful child. A uh, challenging, challenging teenager, and then he blossomed into a, a wonderful adult. He was my best friend. Um, great sense of humor, 
the kind of guy that would pull over and uh, help an elderly couple change a tire. I'd seen him come home from that several times. Um, just a good guy. He was a good student, um, a good tennis player, great son, great brother, great family member. And um, I miss him every day. Uh, I don't think that'll ever change. But um, they say things are better when the humor returns. And he did have it when the laughter returns. He had a great sense of humor. So the laughter returned a few years ago, and we, we still enjoy talking about him, and we keep him in our uh, lives daily. That's great to hear. Now, what year did this happen? How long ago did this take place? March of 2016. March of 2016. Okay, so not long before the election of 2016. So, uh, Sandy, how, how did Ryan come to be in this situation where he lost his life? Well, uh, we had moved down uh, as I retired. We realized living in Central Florida was a little bit of a challenge, and we'd like to be near the beach. We moved down to Bonita, and uh, my son came down there for a visit, stayed with us, liked it, and uh, was was staying in the area and had met a girl, and they were getting to the point of an engagement. So he was in the area enjoying it, and we were uh, we were down there trying to enjoy a, a different aspect of retirement. But what about the actual scenario where this man shot your son? How did that occur? Well, it's very simple. Um, he was living with his girlfriend in that apartment complex, as was the murderer. Um, he had just gone back. So I'd lost my wife the previous year. Uh -huh. So I spent 35 years building a family, and I lost two out of three in 14 months. We were still reeling from my wife's loss. And he had gone back to school at 31 to study pacemakers and, and their implementation uh, as a, a tech rep. He thought he could help other people not have to go through what we went through. It was, an, it was a really nice idea on his part. He had just finally gotten a job offer the Friday before that weekend. That weekend, he and his girlfriend had friends in from out of town. They were celebrating. They were Ubering uh, to a couple of restaurants and bars and then ended up uh, finishing the evening poolside. And they stayed out too late. And they probably had too much to drink. The apartment complex or the condo complex is known for its monolithic construction. Just a bunch of large buildings, not well lit and not well identified. And the problem is with too much to drink, my son went back to the right unit, but in the wrong building. He was one building over. Mm -hmm. And that's in motion, a bunch of tragic, tragic, tragic events. He went to the wrong door. So he went yeah. to the wrong door, and the man who lived in that apartment thought that your son was a threat in some way? I don't know. We've never had a clear version. He lawyered up, and it took him over two and a half, close to three weeks before he would ever be interviewed by the police, by which time there are a lot of stories that he presented. And the stories always change. Uh, the police have been very frustrated by multiple versions of the, of his version of event because there's nobody else. Uh -huh. um, you know, my son knocked on the wrong door and supposedly there was an altercation. I don't know. I wasn't there. And as we both know, my son can't give his side of the story. Yeah, the murderer claims that my son became aggressive and tried to push the door open. And he, in fact, the murderer shut the door, locked it and was now safely behind it. Police were notified and the police told him, stay inside, stay right here. We're on the way and we'll we'll take care of this. Instead, he waited. Uh, he waited under oath. He claimed it was two to three minutes. His wife claimed it was four to five minutes and then decided to get his gun 
and go back outside. Now, I should preface this by saying, I don't have a problem with the Second Amendment. And I don't have a problem with self-defense. I don't even have an issue with uh, with stand your ground. But when it's applied properly. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's not applied properly. None of the elements required for stand your ground are here. Um, you can't re-engage. It's a single episode. You can't pursue someone. That's How do you stand your ground pursuing someone? Right. And then you can't provoke them and not like the result of your provocation. None of those things allow are allowed with standing ground and all those things were present in this case he went outside into the dark took his gun the police were amazed at the gun it's a 10 millimeter with an extra large clip and this guy was known to walk around the neighborhood tells the cops with four or five extra clips midday it's just a normal neighborhood um the the gun was specially fitted with both a laser sighting and a flashlight as they called it the police referred to it as a hunting weapon he went out he found my son 100 yards away, provoked him. Son was seated on the ground, facing in the other direction. Wasn't a threat, wasn't, anyone, wasn't even on his property. He provoked him. When my son turned around and stood up, then he felt threatened, and that's when he fired. That's it. So were there the other people that your son were with, his girlfriend, none of them were present at that time? They didn't witness any of this? No, they were still at the pool. He had gone home. Okay. I would say he got home early. But it was probably one or two in the morning. He got sure. home early than they did, but it was still uh, he was out late. So, Went did home. they hear the gunshot? Was there more than one gunshot? Just one, but with a laser and a flashlight. Sure, you only need one shot. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's a good place. So, um, you know, I, I think that you know. And first of all, I just want to go on record saying that everybody knows I'm a Second Amendment advocate myself. You know, I mean. Protecting yourself and protecting your family is one thing, but I mean, it it sounds from an outsider's perspective as if this man who shot your son, I mean, he went out and hunted him. I mean, there was no danger. Uh, He was no longer at the door. There was no reason to go out into a public area uh, unless he had a singular goal in mind, which was to provoke some type of interaction so that he would be forced to use his weapon. Do you know if this guy had, uh, I mean, you already mentioned carrying around four or five clips midday. That seems a little uh, excessive. But did well, he, those, had, did he have a, a history of, 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 of like brandishing weapons or, or had he been in trouble for, for weapons in the past? Well, um, I don't know about that. He had some previous records that were sealed. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do know the police found that he carried four or five clips a day walking routinely around the neighborhood. That's 10 clips. These are extra large clips. So you're talking with the loaded magazine and the extra five. He's got somewhere on the order of 60 bullets walking around two in the afternoon in just an average middle class neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. That seems a little strange, Uh, almost as if he he was looking for a situation like this. Well, that's what the police believe. Um, They felt he was a hothead and he was playing John Wayne and he got in over his head. Um, But it doesn't lessen the fact that he went out in pursuit and actually caused all of this. Stand your ground says it's got to be a consistent uh, issue. You're scared of something, you take action. You can't be afraid of something and come back an hour later. That's a different episode, or yeah. even a couple of months later. So uh, it was a second act uh, uh, interaction. It was uh, reengaging and then pursued. My son was 100 yards from this guy's house when he killed him, when he murdered him. And you can't stand your ground over there. It's tangent ground. It's supposed to be right here. It's on your property. 
he had to go 100 yards to go find him and then uh, then engage and provoke. So, now, so when, when you learned of these circumstances, when you spoke to the police, I mean, you must have thought that this would be an a open, uh, open and shut case. I mean, clear cut. Did, did, did the police seem to indicate that they felt that way as well? Oh, yeah. Um, everything about this was murder from the start. The problem was, and by the way, in the, um, in the almost seven years since this has taken place, mm-hmm. I've had the case reviewed. I've had the case reviewed by former prosecutors, mm-hmm. by a state attorney in Orange County, uh, experienced journalists, Ben Crump, Mark O'Mara, um, uh, legislators that are attorneys. I've never had any person look at this and say, that stands your ground. Mm-hmm. Everyone said universally, that's murder. There's only one person I've ever heard that claims this is stand your ground. It's Amira Fox. She's the state attorney in uh, in uh, the 20th uh, Judicial District. And interestingly enough, she can't explain it and refuses to comment. She has never told anyone how this is stand your ground. And she's been questioned not just by... Um, not just by my attorneys and others, it's been questioned by members of the press. There's an AP reporter that said in 35 years of doing this, he had never seen a state attorney unable or unwilling to explain a charging decision. So um, she refuses to explain it. The real issue was she was running for office. She was the assistant state attorney. She was the deputy chief. She was running for a soon-to-be vacant seat. She'd been courting the NRA. And once she decided to give them this as a stand your ground to get their endorsement, um, and she put out some false information. She put out this was a break-in attempt, and a uh, a Marine veteran was defending his home and family, and this all happened in their living room. None of it's true. Mm-hmm. It's not a Marine. There was no break-in. My son was in a bathing suit. It's laughable. He was in a bathing suit. That's it. He wasn't armed. He wasn't doing anything. And the murderer's wife, Told the police, they knew this, told the police, no, it's just a drunk kid from uh, from from this unit, from this area. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a break in. It wasn't a Marine. There wasn't a shootout in the living room. All the stuff the state attorney put out and repeated for months during her campaign never happened. It kind of <clears throat> defies logic. I mean, the way that you're telling it, I, it, it seems that it would be a smarter decision to court votes uh, to uphold the law. I mean, one of the main complaints that I think a lot of conservatives have had in recent years is that these George Soros connected and funded prosecutors and state's attorneys have refused to enforce the law. They've allowed murderers to go free. So, you know, this this to me sounds like the worst possible case that the NRA or anyone in elected office could choose to attach themselves to on that side of the issue, because it just does not compute. Is there some connection that the murderer had? Well, you know, and I don't, I can't, we keep saying murderer, but I don't want to get a defamation lawsuit, you know? Well, uh, chapter, seven, chapter seven of the book. Okay. Lead detective on this, uh, on this case. Two investigations saying this is murder okay. at least seven times. So I'm right. quoting as I believe you are. All right. So as, as far as the police are concerned, this is murder. Without so, question. What, what? Who is this guy? 
I mean, does he have some political nope. connection? Is he is he a, like an important person in some way? No, he's a pawn. He had nothing to do with the uh, his good fortune is he got away with murder or at least has so far. But um, she was determined to court the NRA vote and she believed that would be important. And there's a way to measure him based on the orange ballots. I, it's been explained to me. But the bottom line is this. She won by just slightly more. Mm-hmm. In the uh, then the endorsement balance endorsement ballots gave her so the strategy worked. She was very concerned with an NRA endorsement and uh, just sat on this for months. And I was told by the assistant DA, and he's really her bag man. This mm-hmm. is a guy that's done all kinds of stuff for her. And if you look at Amira Fox's record, it's in Chapter Three. Um, there's a woman that believes Amira and her partner embezzled millions from uh, from her father. She's let criminals stay on the street. She's suppressed a murder trial because uh, and and was the subject of a Pulitzer Prize uh, award for the coverage on that case. She's got a real horrible track record, um, and she wanted this victory and didn't care how she went about it. And it's funny because it took me years to believe. I had attorneys for a while. I had Mark O'Mara, and then I had Ben Crump. And because I believed maybe they don't understand the facts. Maybe they're just a little confused. Maybe they need some clarification. Uh, that's why we provided the police with extra evidence from a um, a civil suit, because we had depositions, under oath depositions. So maybe they're just a little bit confused. And it took me a while to realize they're not confused. They understand it. They're just going in a different direction. It has nothing to do with the law. So I stopped using attorneys and really went to the idea of getting some press, getting some eyeballs on this, because the real issue is not the law. It's their willingness to ignore the law for their convenience. So she's got a a long track record of doing that. Do you you think that Mary Fox is, do you think she's just corrupt and uh, lacking in morals? Or do you think that she's more a, a, a liberal in conservative disguise? I mean, we, we see that quite often, call them rhinos. But do you think that there is a distinction that can be made in that way? Um, no, I've lost you, Zach. I'm sorry. I'm not sure what I did wrong on, on Zoom. Oh, uh, I'm still here. You probably, your Zoom window probably just went somewhere. If you bring your mouse probably down to the bottom of your screen, uh, then it should show you every um, application that you have open, and you should be able to click Zoom, and it should bring me back up. Gotcha. Got me. Okay, great. So, yeah, uh, just, yeah, to say again, you know, I mean, what do you think the problem is with her? I mean, is is she just utterly corrupt, or is there uh, some political subterfuge going on? No, I think she's politically corrupt. Mm-hmm. She's a, um, if you look at some of the things she's done, and I spent serious amounts of time researching um, her background, not only as an assistant state attorney um, in her early years, but then the ten years she was out of office or out of the out of their office before she ran again, and the things she did in private practice, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty um, consistent. She is just. Um, I believe just unethical and uh, it's hard to believe someone would ignore their oath of office uh, just as a matter of vengeance because I campaigned against her. I actually put up billboards. Mm -hmm. I don't think she liked them. I could imagine that she wouldn't, you know, you mentioned the oath of office. I mean, unfortunately, I think that far too many of our elected officials, I mean, from the ground up have no idea 
what that oath of office really means. I mean, they swear allegiance to the Constitution, but I mean, how many of them have read any part of it? How many of them truly believe the words that they're saying? I mean, it's just another ritual that you have to go through to get your right. pension and to get your face on the uh, on the screen, however you're, you're going to do it. Uh, so, you know, just unfortunately, I mean, there are so many corrupt politicians and elected officials and and unelected bureaucrats. I mean, that's they're almost worse because they don't have any type of uh, uh, term limits. They're just there and they can do whatever they want. And if they're right. bought, if they are owned by someone who needs a favor, then they can easily make something go away. What about uh, you? You mentioned a civil case. Were you able to successfully go after the murderer for a wrongful death suit? Well, um, there was a suit um, and um, there was um, the focus really was not money. I wasn't interested in this money. I was interested in this testimony because sure. under oath testimony uh, was critical um, to going back and getting yet another investigation and then trying to convince the uh, the state attorney. Here's a compelling case. Now take action. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't believe there's any amount of compelling evidence that's going to move her to act. This had nothing to do with the facts or the merits of the case. So were there any additional revelations that came out in the process of those depositions? Well, the specifics of exactly how long he was in the house before he went back out, make it clear. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. Yeah. If it's not one continuous item. And between he and his wife, they're saying it was anywhere between three and five minutes. He was inside, behind a locked door, safe. He had his gun inside. And the police had told him to stay put. They were on their way. Interviewed. He had a thousand different stories. Uh, they've always changed. Uh, one of them had to do with I was I was trying to protect my wife. And they said, well, no, I didn't just stay behind the closed door. Why would you go outside, leave the door open, leave her at risk? He had no answer for any of this. It was all nonsense. So who who was he making statements to? Did he speak to the press? Did he go on uh, any type of a press tour to uh, try to claim his own innocence? Never, never. Uh, in fact, there have been uh, members of the press that I've talked to that said, well, I want to get his side of the story. And they've called him and he has said something uh, smart alecky or snarky or you figure it out and hung up on them. So, no, he has nothing to say. He knows exactly uh, what the situation is. The I- irony here is... Um, that I can't get the current state attorney to uh, prosecute the case. Mm-hmm. What I want is the case in an adjoining um, independent judicial district. A whole new uh, review of the case, objectively. Not someone who's got in their nose out of joint about um, um, uh, about embarrassing uh, billboards. Not someone who has staked their their uh, their credentials with the NRA on calling the stand your ground. Someone without a Without a uh, without any sort of a bias, and I've said to the governor, um, on and and the governor's general counsel, it seems to me that everybody should support this mm-hmm. because if she's correct, if she says there's no there's no crime, and another jurisdiction looks at it and says no crime, she's vindicated. On the other hand. If it turns out somebody else looks at it, sees a crime, prosecutes and convicts a murderer, you would think she would think, well, this is good. Uh uh, A crime was detected that I missed, but justice has been served. And that's my business. Can't make sure there's justice. For some reason, she's avidly opposed to that case being moved. Have you, well, you mentioned having another jurisdiction investigate it. Have you considered perhaps, I don't know how far Grady Judd is away from where this happened, but I mean, I, specifically, I, I mentioned him because he seems to be 
fairly tough on crime. I mean, he does a lot of press conferences uh, exposing the uh, uh, the criminals that he brings to justice. And even more specifically, it was just a couple of months ago that he did a press conference on a father and son who a woman uh, basically rang had, their doorbell. Yeah, rang their doorbell and then walked back to her car. It was, you know, she, I think maybe they a package was delivered to the wrong door or something like that. And she was trying to be a nice neighbor. And they chased her down both of them, like one of them, like the son was like 16 and then the father was like in his 60s or something like that. And they shot at her into her car. I reported it about it here on the channel. And uh, and luckily nobody was hurt. But I believe they're both charged with attempted murder. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, because because he said exactly what you said uh, when discussing the situation, you know, all of the elements of stand your ground were not present. And so this uh, the 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 the, uh, the chase going after her, seeking her out and then shooting at her, even as she was attempting to leave the situation. I mean, it's clear. Well, I do remember the case. I believe Grady Judd explained it by saying we have this nice little we have this nice little law called stand your ground. Mm-hmm. But it's, you can go shooting people as they run down the street. And so I was caught up in that. And I thought he I've always been a fan of his. And I thought, well, maybe just maybe I'd like to bring him into this. So I sent him a copy of my book and a letter explaining the circumstance and looking for some support from him. Unfortunately, I've never heard back. Now, he may feel it's uh, beyond his purview. He's not going to criticize what they do uh, 150 miles away. But I thought just as you did, had this occurred in uh, is it Lake County he's in? I'm, I, I'm not I'm sorry. I'm not, but I thought if it had happened in his jurisdiction, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get him to uh, to chime in on it. But you're absolutely correct. This is a um, this is an uh, I don't know, a perversion of the law. Mm-hmm. I understand it's underground. I see the uh, the merit to it versus just plain self-defense, but none of the elements are present. And consequently, this is just a prosecutor uh, punishing uh, a victim's father because she doesn't care for his politics. I don't think that's included in the oath of office. So when was it that you were running the billboards campaigning against her? How long after your son's death was that? Was that in 2018, 2020? The... Uh, the murder was in March of 2016. Mm-hmm. Her office, her bagman, and if you read the book, she uses him for all her dirty work. Her bagman, I, I talked with him about the case, and he was very circumspect. He said, "We need you to stay silent," and I believed them, and I was fooled. We need you to stay silent on this while we investigate it. What they really wanted is the press to cool off, mm-hmm. and then they flush it. So they waited about nine, ten months, almost a full year after the crime to announce uh, there's no uh after the murder to announce there's no crime and uh during that time during that time they got to control the narrative i would imagine you know i mean by not allowing you to speak out about it i mean that you know that 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 gap in time uh probably i mean that 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 dictated how much buzz would be around the story i mean if you had been out there speaking about this immediately afterwards i think that the general public would have been absolutely on your side i mean it's it's outrageous when you think about it well they were the people who were going to prosecute it mm-hmm. and uh, had no idea the uh, level of uh, corruption and depravity that they would uh, stoop to so i thought don't you know these are your friends these are the people that are going to prosecute it follow their uh, their lead 
And so I remained quiet and they sat on it for almost 10 months, close to a year. I forget the exact amount of time. And then announced uh, they weren't doing anything about it. So at that point, she was in an election for um, running in 2018. Again, she was the chief deputy, which is an appointed position, running for the uh, state attorney seat, which is a an elected official, an elected position. And so it was in the summer of 2018 that I began to get active politically. And I spoke with uh, reporters because I had enough facts to realize there was a problem here. Yeah. And I put up some billboards. And the billboards made it clear that I thought she was um, very nice to murderers. So when they decided not to prosecute this man, did they at least have the decency to call you first or did they announce it publicly? And that's how you heard about it. Um, They did neither. Uh, They were just um, making it clear or they uh, they had the assistant state attorney made it clear that uh, things it was a tough case or some some nonsense along that line. And she had a um, some sort of a fundraiser being held a couple of days later. I attended. I went and bought a ticket, uh, but I went in with an NBC News crew. And just as she spoke, uh, I raised my hand and asked her what she was going to do about the murder case mm-hmm. and the facts. And they've done nothing on and on. And um she refused to discuss it. And then the whoever was the moderator said, uh, we're not taking questions now. Uh, would you please leave? That kind of thing. Sure. And it made the news, as did the billboards. Everything else made the news. Um, but that I did, I don't know what day of the week. Let's call it a Tuesday. Her office came out and announced they were dropping the case Wednesday. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh, listen, Sandy, we've got to take a break for the second half of the show. We're going to be right sure. back after this. And uh, I'll see you guys on the other side. All right. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking around, guys. So, Sandy, uh, after you started campaigning against her uh, and you began talking to the media, were you successful in in getting public awareness about this uh, this case on people's minds? I mean, I mean, is it widely popularized? I wasn't living in Florida at that time, so I didn't see it until you contacted me. Well, uh, there was interest in it. Uh, There was some media interest. Uh, a couple of the bigger newspapers, the Sentinel, uh, uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay, I think it's the Tribune, uh, eight, uh, Associated Press. There was coverage on it, uh, especially since there was additional evidence coming out because we'd done a second. We'd done the um, uh, the wrongful death suit mm-hmm. and the wrongful death again was never about money. Um, you only have two years to file. So we were running out of time to preserve that right. We actually filed it and waited 90 days before we notified. Mm-hmm. That's permissible. But then we had that had been that spring. And with depositions, we were able to to really pin down the timeline. And it was uh, the detectives that originally had it just didn't have the cooperation. Uh, but this was under oath. And this was uh, a required deposition as part of the, uh, the wrongful death. So we got a lot of information on the timeline that really helped the police. And they went back at it again and concluded again, only more vehemently, this is murder. This is a murder case. Um, and they went to uh, the state attorney's office. They went back to um, Dan Feinberg. Dan Feinberg's the assistant attorney that is a mirror's bag man. He was uh, sanctioned for all kinds of bad stuff and should have been fired. And so they kept him. And it's the only place he could work. And consequently, he had to do whatever they required of him. And uh, so they went back to Dan. They went back to 
the state attorney, Amira Fox, presented all of what they considered to be incontrovertible evidence that this is clearly a murder. And they got nowhere. They got stonewalled. So what's the hierarchy of prosecutors down here? I mean, I, I, I when I lived in Michigan, I mean, there was like a city prosecutor. There was a county prosecutor, obviously state's attorney and then the attorney general. Uh, I mean, it, there is, is this the only place that you can go? There's no one else in this hierarchy that has a say in whether or not somebody gets charged? Well, um, it's an elected official and the 20th Judicial District, I believe, encompasses five counties. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son's case is Lee County. The other big one is Collier. And there are a couple of smaller counties in there. Um, there is only one state attorney. And she's elected and it's her decision what to prosecute and what not. Although prosecutors are usually willing and able to explain exactly what their reasoning is. And in this case, she refuses to explain to anyone how she can call this stand your ground, which, again, uh, there are reporters that say they've never seen that thing, sort of thing before. Now, the state attorney does not answer to the attorney general. I mean, they're, they're both in law enforcement, but there's a separate track. So um, the only place the attorney general comes in is when you file a complaint against an elected official, the mm-hmm. state ethics. And the problem there, and you can check the, it's in the book, but you can check the da- the data on this. Whenever you file a complaint, and there have been multiple complaints filed against Amira, she doesn't even bother going to Tallahassee. Because the way it plays is when Pam Bondi was in trouble, Governor Scott was looking for a place to dump that. Bondi had taken money from Trump and um, had done a bad job of handling it and was now exposed for having dumped the um, the case against Trump's uh, Trump University. Mm-hmm. He dumped it almost within 48 hours of getting a $25 million donation to her campaign. It was pretty ham handed. Uh, now she had a problem. Governor Scott didn't want to deal with it. And he wanted to send it to a place where it would go away. And what better place than the corrupt 20th district? So he sent it down to his friend, uh, the state attorney down there, who assigned it to Amira Fox. And Amira danced around with it for a couple months and eventually concluded no crime. Bondi was indebted to uh, Amira Fox for that. Bondi, as a result, was an early supporter and endorser of Amira's campaign. Bondi also put her successor into office. That's Ashley Moody. So Ashley Moody is kind of uh, required to treat Amira Fox gently. So all of these cases against Amira Fox... There are ethics complaints. I've I've sent uh, I've filed at least one. I know of five or six others, and I've cited them in my book, Chapter Three. Um, what happens is Ashley sends over uh, a woman named I think it's Elizabeth Walker. I don't I don't have it in front of me, and she goes over and advises the ethics commission. No, come on, no, uh, nothing here. There's just no uh, no probable cause. There has never been probable cause in anything with Amira's name on it. Amira doesn't even bother going up because she knows it's in the bag. Wow. So the Bondi, the Bondi case that she fixed was enough that Bondi owed her. And Ashley Moody continues to, uh, to maintain that obligation. And Amira Fox is untouchable. I tried getting her in front of the uh, ethics commission. She tried extorting um, some material from me in exchange for a, um, uh, in exchange for a, uh, an indictment. And then at the last minute, she 
pulled the rug out, but she'd sent letters to somebody who'd been, who was the in-between, thanking him for the information. They showed this to the FDLE. And the FDLE's investigators said, you know, you have to understand there are always two sides to every story. I said, I'm showing you documentation. I believe it's evidence of corruption. Read the documents right now and give me the alternate explanation. With the benefit of the doubt, tell me what other other possible explanation exists. He read it for about 90 seconds, looked at me and said, I can't. She's too well, powerful. Just as things were going along, the FDLE answers to the governor. Mm-hmm. Or at least their boss does. So just as things they were saying, there's something here to investigate, all of a sudden they were told, stand down. No explanation. So I want to go back to what you said there about her uh, promising an indictment if you were to do something for her. Can you explain that in a little more depth? Sure. She was uh, the 2018 battle. She was the anointed candidate, thought she'd just waltz into office. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is they don't have elections down there. They have primaries. It's 95% Republican. The primary is in August. If you win the primary, the election is just an afterthought. She picked up a, uh, a primary opponent, Chris Crowley. He was a former state, uh, assistant state attorney. He's a lieutenant colonel in the Army Reserves. Solid guy. And um, she was offended that he would dare. And uh, she had all the money and all the machinery. Yet the election was getting close. The polling was looking pretty close. So um, she was pretty unhappy with that aspect of it. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I... I that really drove her to a level of paranoia. After the election was over, she wanted to know about, he had done some pamphlets, he'd done some other things. She wanted answers on who did it. She was under the impression that I had written the pamphlets. She was under the impression that I paid for them. None of these things were true. And the third party that knew her was conveying this. And she had a list of things she wanted. He was providing it to her, uh, along with she wanted me to disavow any support for Crowley. I needed to send him an email and send this guy a copy of it so he could forward it to her. There were a number of things she wanted in exchange for an indictment. And once she had everything she wanted, she uh, just stepped away and refused to do it. The problem was I had her letter to this third party, her email, on state attorney letterhead. So it was clear what was going on. And the investigators saw it. But for some reason, they weren't allowed to proceed for very long. So essentially, she suggested a quid pro quo type situation, but she Absolutely. wrote she wrote the letter to a third party who would then uh, relay the information to you what she wanted if she was going to bring this and, indictment and reviewed the information uh, that I was uh, the letter that I was supposed to write. He was editing it. OK. All right. And did she explicitly say for an indictment or was it just inferred? I believe some of the phrases were she's going to do the right thing. She's, and then I did okay. hear she's going to charge him. I, I've, I've heard several versions of it, but sure. it was clear what was on the line. I despise the woman. There's yeah. really very little that would get me to cooperate with her concerning election politics, either in the past or in the future. What she had been trying to do was get a hash mark against Crowley's license. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's filed multiple complaints or her cronies have so that he couldn't run against her. She was paranoid that he would run against her. Uh, she wanted me to avow not to support him. I hadn't supported him in the previous uh, financially, the previous election. Hadn't done it. What I had done was I'd formed a PAC, uh, which paid for billboards and other things. Um, Crowley had a few people, some friends and family, that wanted to send money to the PAC on his behalf. Mm-hmm. So I treated those mo- those dollars 
as a fiduciary would. Those were his, those were his dollars. Technically, I could have taken them and jumped into the uh, the gubernatorial election in Kansas, but I honored the uh, the intent, which was those dollars were to support him. And I paid bills that came in, uh, and there were printing bills. Now, those printing bills may have paid for the pamphlets that offended her. I've never seen the pamphlets. I didn't write them. Mm-hmm. I've never seen them. And uh, but I may have paid for them inadvertently. When they sent me a printing bill, I don't know if it's paying for hats, shirts, sure. or pamphlets. But those were his family's dollars to support him. And that's all I did. Not a dollar of my money went to his campaign. Not that it matters. If I'd put a million dollars into his campaign and uh, she hated every minute of it, her job is still to prosecute a murderer, no matter sure. whose murderer it happens to be. Yeah. Well, no, it's your absolute right to support whatever candidate you want to support, uh, you know, obviously within the boundaries of the law. Have you considered like actively supporting someone that could take her place and perhaps, you know, bring the justice that that is so deserved? Well, um, and and specifically, just to wrap up your previous question, I'd supported her opponent because he said, this is not stand your ground. This is murder. Right. Supported a candidate. I was a one issue voter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Supported the candidate that was going to uh, charge a murderer with the appropriate crime. Um. The problem is there's a it's a corrupt little small town that just outgrew itself, Fort Myers. And so um, it's tough to find other candidates, then run against a machine and all that kind of fun stuff. My preference has been to look for outside publicity and then subsequently write a book. I would think anyone that lives in southwest Florida that reads that book would have to question what they have in office for a state attorney. So what kind of what kind of a, a just a horrible individual they have elected. Well, I think that anyone who puts themselves in your shoes, I, I mean, I would imagine they'd be outraged. You know, as a father myself, uh, if the murderer of my daughter got off scot-free and no one was willing to do anything about it, I mean, I, I would be singularly focused, as I imagine you have been. I am. I am. So the remedy... Um, what's the point of all of this? Mm-hmm. Well, she doesn't answer to the attorney general, unless it's ethics or some of those other things. And um, I have uh, brought these issues to the Florida Election Commission. I've uh, I've filed complaints with the Florida Election of uh, the Ethics Commission. Um, I've gone to the Florida Bar, um, and I've gone to the FDLE. And all roads lead to the governor or the AG, but. You know, Florida may have five million people living here or whatever the magic number is, but there are only four, five, six people between Tallahassee and uh, Fort Myers that have any influence on this. Pam uh, Pam Bondi's successor, Ashley Moody, has prevented uh, the ethics and probably the election commission. I'm not sure if they're a reporter or not from proceeding. The only person that can fix this is the governor. The governor has the authority. Actually, I've talked to him about this when he was running for election the first time. And he told me the governor has both the authority and the obligation when municipal government fails. The governor, regarding my question, I need this moved and and charged. He said the governor has the authority and the obligation to take action. Uh He seems to have forgotten that. I've had a petition on his desk for several petitions for most of the past four years. And if you call his office to ask for a status, all they will ever tell you is it's under review. So Santos needed those votes down there. And for a guy that's all law and order and transparency, 
he's okay with a little bit of blue smoke and murder. So he is, he's failed to live up to being the kind of guy I thought he was or the kind of guy he's represent, represented himself as. All he needs to do is just move the case to a different county or ju- jurisdiction, I should say, and let uh, let them examine the facts objectively. I'm pretty sure nobody wants that because I'm pretty sure there's going to be an indictment and they don't want that because that's going to make her look bad. Um, she looked bad during uh, when she let a murder, uh, a murder charge go by telling a grand jury not to uh, not to file charges. They were about to indict for murder. She told them not to do it. And that coverage, that coverage was the um, uh, was the uh, resulted in a Pulitzer Prize award uh, for the Charlotte Sun. That's incredible that you you would have been that close to it and that someone could step in and intervene at that level. I mean, you know, the joke is that a grand jury could indict a ham sandwich, you know, and right. but a ham sandwich that's guilty of murder. I mean, it seems like a no brainer. Well, it was. And what happened is one of the jurors was so outraged, she went to the press. What did she say? She said, this is murder. And she came up and told us not to do it and on and on. I'm just outraged. And there was coverage on that. And the coverage resulted in a uh, in a Pulitzer Prize. But more importantly, she was threatened by the uh, state attorney's office. They were talking about charging her and so forth. And when asked about it, the reporter said, yeah, they may charge you. They may. She goes, I'm an 85-year-old woman. What are they going to do? Right. And right. In the state's attorney's office in the crooked 20th Judicial District realized you really can't go charging an 85-year-old woman with something like this. Um, even they realized it would look bad. So they didn't. So, Sandy, uh, I see a number of people in the audience asking, you know, what can we do to help you? I mean, is you mentioned a couple of petitions. I mean, that only goes so far. I mean, do you have perhaps a form letter that people can uh, assign their name to and send off to the governor's office or the attorney general? Or is, is there some action that people can take that can help assist you in getting this justice? Well, um, there are a couple of sites, as I, as I let you know, where they can get more information first. Yeah. Uh, the book on Amazon. I'm not in the book selling business. I'm in the distributing the facts business. That's really what my focus is. Um, there's a website, uh, justiceforryan.com. And then there's Justice for Ryan on Facebook uh, as well. With regards to the uh, solution, the only person that can do anything here is the governor. And I'm hoping phone calls to the governor's office. What's the status on this? Why won't you move the case? Why are you treating a murderer? Uh, why are you leaving a murder uncharged? Why are you treating a corrupt state attorney so gently? She's a Republican. Keep that in mind. And she's failed to charge on several murders. Andrew Warren is a Democrat. And for the crime of speaking out loud about how he felt about some of the governor's uh, criminal policies, DeSantis removed him. Now, it's a pending legal case. But the point very simply is he was willing to get rid of a Democratic uh, state attorney just for opinion. Whereas he's got a Republican state attorney who's absolutely corrupt and is dead to dead to rights cold on this one. Um, people need to ask the governor why. The governor's office can take a few, a few, uh, oh gosh, a few um, uh, reporters and say it's under review. But can you say that to a hundred people? Can you say that to two hundred people? Can you say it to five hundred people? At some point in time, they have to realize that people are interested in this. They're talking about it. And they're trying to take action. 
whether that's contacting the governor's office, whether it's contacting their local state officials, whether that's contacting congressmen or, or um, uh, you know, U.S. senators. Florida looks ridiculous on this. This is a murder. It's a corrupt state attorney and a governor that refuses to acknowledge it. He knows the story. He knows the facts. We need to hold him accountable. And now he would like to be president. And it's, it frightens me to think someone would be willing to ignore murder and would be willing to overlook the crimes of a state attorney just for the convenience of his uh, political ambitions. It's disturbing. It truly is disturbing. Um, you guys, I'm trying to get the website pulled up on screen, but for some reason it doesn't want to show. But if you go to justiceforryan.com, there's actually a, a form letter that's in the, the form of an email. Uh, you could very easily copy that text, put it into a, a Word document, and then print it out and sign it. Let me go ahead and uh, get this sorted out so that you guys can see it. Um, there we go. And it's got to be that one. Yes, there we go. Okay, I got it working. Okay, you can see it right here. Governor DeSantis, you need to be aware of the Ryan Modell case. Ryan was an unarmed 32-year-old young man shot and killed in 2016 after he mistakenly knocked on the wrong door. Minutes later, the angry owner grabbed his gun, left his house, pursued Ryan up the street, and shot him dead. This case clearly and absolutely fails to meet the criteria for a stand-your-ground defense as the state attorney mistakenly ruled. The system has failed, and an objective third-party review is the only way to address it. Governor, as a Florida voter concerned about justice, I'm counting on you to stand up for what's right and correct this blatant miscarriage. Governor, move the case. I don't think it's too much to ask at all. And, you know, I mean, you mentioned the state's attorney that was removed by Governor DeSantis. And I think a, a lot of us saw that as a pretty important move. Um, you know, I, I don't care what political party someone uh, assigns to their name. I, I don't care, you know, who they are or who they've supported in the past. What's important to me is that we have an equal system of justice that is distributed in the exact same way across all crimes. I mean, it's really sad but I think most of us, probably all the people watching, uh, understand that we just don't have that. America and our judicial system is maybe irreversibly broken at this point. I mean, how can we have any confidence in our system, in our states, in our country, if we don't have the confidence that people who break the law are going to face justice for it? I mean, the fact that this guy is nobody, he's just a guy— I mean, it just defies logic. I mean, I was expecting that he was going to be the son of a politician or something like that. You know, I mean, I just for them to go to this length to not get justice for Ryan, it's just it's indescribable. I, I mean, I'm just I'm kind of crazy about it. Well, I can't explain it either. And uh, someone in government told me, you know, this would have gone a lot smoother for you if you'd been using red attorneys instead of blue. In other words, apparently Mark O'Mara. Okay, I hired Mark because he's considered a foremost expert on stage ground. I didn't hire him because he was a Democrat. In fact, I didn't really know. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand Ben's Democrat. He's also extremely active with stand your ground and has gotten better results than anybody. I've used both of those attorneys, but I've been told if I'd use a red attorney, 
someone from the Republican side, things might have gone a little better. And I'm amazed that anybody would suggest that that's the case. I'm thinking there's really not any I don't think either Democrats or Republicans want to identify themselves as the pro murder party. So I don't know why that why that would matter. But we have seen the results you're talking about. We have seen the uh, the progressives, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles and other states loosening up on crimes they charge. And in every instance, we've seen an upswing in either violent crime or um, uh, robbery or shoplifting. We've just seen the results of those softening policies. Um, in this case, yeah, we would like to see justice. And this isn't a case of shoplifting or uh, something lesser. This is murder. It doesn't get any worse than that. You've got a sitting state attorney presented with the facts and has refused to comment on them and refused to charge on them just because it was convenient for her campaign to have an NRA endorsement. And it's uh, and there's an element of revenge there. Revenge. Um, you can't have a governor overseeing the system. And he's the guy at the top of it, looking down, aware of the facts, saying, I'm willing to overlook murder because I get a lot of votes out of Southwest Florida. That's just not what we expect from elected officials. And that's not even a gray area. That's that's well beyond the pale. So I'm hoping you and your listeners can help me continue. I've been fighting this battle for seven years and I'll keep fighting it, but I could use a little help. Well, uh, I'm certainly happy to assist in whatever way that I can, and uh, hopefully the audience will as well. I know that at least one of the people watching, Sean, has an idea of something that you can do that might actually be able to push this along. Um, I am going to throw the uh, call information up on the screen here, guys, and then I'm going to pass it out into the chat. Sean, I'd appreciate it if you call in and uh, describe uh, for Sandy what it was that... uh, that you were thinking he could do. I'm not familiar with this. I've, I've heard the term before, color of law, but uh, I'm not certain how exactly uh, Sandy would go about using it. Um, you know, have you considered perhaps making the story of what happened in your son's life and death into uh, a documentary? You know, I mean, as sad as it is, uh, people just don't read as much as they did in years past. And, and I mean, this seems like something... That could really, you know, if produced well, could truly grab the the attention of the American voter. Well, I'd be happy to do that if uh, if a Dateline or a Twenty Twenty or a show like that wanted to highlight the case, I'd be happy to do. It. I have not found great support, and I'm actually kind of surprised yeah. because uh, you would think the media that was anti Republican and wasn't happy with Trump would not be any happier about his successor. And yet they've been reluctant to pick up the story. And I can't I can't understand why. I do have a theory on it. Okay, what's that? I have a theory that the farthest left people in D.C. scream all day in Congress about all kinds of crazy things. And the far right in Congress do the same on the other side. And then when it gets to be about 1145, they turn off the cameras. They all go to lunch together and laugh at us. So that's that's. uh, You know, sometimes I think the theatrics are just that. I think you're absolutely right. You know, I've I've talked about that a number of times on this channel. You know, there are wedge issues that they will talk about. They will, uh, you know, go do interviews on CNN or Fox or wherever it is. They will use those to keep the plebs like us busy at each other's throats, angry, focused on one or two of those issues. And then exactly when the cameras are off, I mean, they are colleagues. They're going to lunch together. They're hanging out. They're working and they have great relationships. 
And, uh, you know, they seem to be able to get a lot done when it benefits them or it benefits lobbyists or their donors or whoever it might be. But something as simple as this, you know, violence in the inner city, you know, people die from, uh, you know, guns, illegal or, or not every single day. But nobody wants to address that stuff. It's only when it's like one person who goes into a mall or something like that and then kills a bunch of people. Then they're all over it. What about the murder rate in this area? I mean, is this something that happens often in uh, in in this city? I mean, uh, I'm I'm not familiar with the crime levels down there. I don't know. I know that her opponent pointed out that the uh, the charging rate for felonies from from Southwest Florida was significantly below the charging rate in other cities similar size. Okay, uh, they don't like to work hard down there. They let a lot of cases go. I know that inside the office, there was uh, a great deal of consternation about this case. There were a number of people in the office saying, why aren't we charging this? This is this is murder. We all know it. And um, it just was getting no discussion whatsoever. This was shut down. So I don't know what the results are of crime in the rest of the city. I, I have no idea. But I know their charging rate was low. And I know in this case, in other cases, they've let... Um, very, very high profile, aggressive criminals go only to find them months later committing a murder. They were accelerating and they, they let them go on some stuff. So it's been a problem down there. I just focus on this case and this sure. case is the, it's murder. And the, um, and the shock is that the system permits that you can get away with ethical violations because your buddy's the AG where she's in uh, in debt to you, you can get away with being uh, with ignoring murder charges and have a governor just look the other way. And and I think we all deserve better than that. We ought to sleep at night knowing murderers are punished because that's what's going to pe- keep people from murdering us. If you ever issue a blanket statement saying Florida will no longer punish murderers, what do you think? I think the burner rate might go up a little bit. Absolutely. So we sleep better at night. We sleep better at night knowing that laws are enforced and we avoid chaos that way. It's just not applying in this case. You've got a corrupt state attorney and you've got a governor that has his eyes elsewhere and consequently is not uh, not willing to uh, take responsibility and step up, as he indicated he would. When he was a candidate and we were talking, he was very much in favor of addressing this and using his gubernatorial authority to do so. He's been deaf ever since he's been in office. We've submitted several petitions. We've met with his general counsel. We can just never get an answer from him. And it's a pretty simple issue. And we're not saying put the murderer in jail. We're not saying shoot the guy. All we're saying is put the case in an objective, um, unbiased district and let somebody review it on their own and then see what happens. And I believe it's been a difficult thing to get it moved or get it charged. I believe eventually that will happen with your help, with others helping. I believe that will happen. And when it does, I think there'll be an indictment and a conviction very, very quickly. The evidence is overwhelming. Uh-huh. The guy's confession on uh, on a deposition is just, it's a confession to murder. So um, I think once it gets moved, we'll see an indictment and a conviction. But first, I need your help getting it moved. Yeah, there's no statute of limitations on murder. So at there's some not. point, these people, these these cronies that are in office right now, I mean, they're, they're going to leave. They're going to go someplace else. <clears throat> Hopefully, they end up getting replaced with people who aren't part of that food chain, if problem. you will. That's yeah. the problem. You yeah. know, you got to make sure the new people are better than the old people. And 
In Southwest Florida, that's not the case. In Tallahassee, uh, the governor has the ability to handle this properly and should. And I believe if he has to choose between honoring his commitment to me and keeping an elected official down there happy, he's going to keep that elected official happy. But when the, um, uh, when the calculus changes, when he's now answering to your viewers and others that have read about the case, understand about the case, and they're demanding answers, at that point, it will become politi- politically expedient for him to change it from, it's no longer between she and I, it's going to be between he and she. Does he want to take the heat for her or not? I think with enough noise, I think he'll feel the need to act. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think that uh, public attention is the most likely way that this is going to end up on somebody's desk who's going to be able to do something about it. And I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, it seems this seems ripe for a 48 hours or or a dateline or, you know, something that's going to produce this, you know, oh, dramatic and unsolved case. I mean, it just seems like this would be something that would grab the attention of people. Um, all right, you guys, we've got four people on the line. Uh, we've got Sean, and then we've got somebody with the last four digits of 7810, and then John Smith, and then Drunk Pinata. John Smith just hung up, so John, if you want to call back in, you were third in line, but we're going to bring in Sean right now. And uh, once again, thank you very much, Sandy, for being here. Thank you for sharing the story. I know it's probably difficult to speak about, or, you know, hopefully at this point you haven't become so numb to the details of it, but um, we can I hopefully... Yeah. And I, again, I appreciate your your support and your willingness to have me on the show. That, that means a lot. Absolutely. All right, Sean, go ahead and unmute. And it's great to see you. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Good evening, Sean. Yeah, it's good to uh, good to see you, Red Pill. It's good to Absolutely. meet you, Miss, Mr. Modell. Did I get that right? Sandy, please. Sandy, that's, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Sean. Thanks, Sean. Um, and I am putting that in the chat right now for you. Okay. RP. Um. Now, I, 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 I'm reluctant to ever encourage anyone to just take blindly take this approach. I usually like to encourage people to look into it further. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. It, 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 this is called the COL form, uh, and you're welcome to read it if you want. There's, it's a lawsuit, so it's essentially. Anyone who's acting under the color of law, um, this is a a means of holding account, holding um, them to account. Um, Now, when I say that, anyone acting under their color of law, uh, what what, what usually comes to mind? I I, I don't know. The closest thing I've heard to this would be like a writ of mandamus. That's what I thought you were getting at. No, it's it's. And it could be filed against anybody. It doesn't matter. Anybody who's really not acting, um, you know, by the Constitution. Now, I could get woo with this whole thing and pretty much go down the route of or make an argument that we haven't been living under our Constitution our entire lives and even longer. But that's another conversation for another time. Um, And I encourage anyone, everyone to get it, look into the difference between common law and this maritime law, which is international law. This is what there is being applied to us as I see it, um, which is legalese, right? It's the language that makes us think that we need to go pay somebody thousands of dollars to protect our very basic, very simple constitutional rights. Law of the land, unless the only time a crime exists is when 
and there's a claim of an injury, correct? So in your case, there's certainly a claim of an injury. Well, there's actually more than one injury mm-hmm. in this case. I mean, am I accurate by saying that? I'm not sure what you mean. I know there's, uh, I know of one injury. I'm not sure what you mean by others. One injury, but you know, you're. Well, you've been denied ne- justice this entire time. I okay. mean, I didn't, you know. I didn't, in a broader yeah. sense, certainly. There you go. And you would file this, you would fill it out, and you would write an affidavit that, that would go along with it. And I would say you print out several copies. You send a copy to your local PD, your, your local sheriff, your, even the IRS, your local uh, FBI, um, every, anywhere. Because the more places you have this out, that's more accountability. They have to respond to they have to respond to it. So just think you've got more than one place that now has this, that they have to answer to. So okay. all of a sudden her world is becoming a lot smaller. Do you understand? Well, I'm sort of there. So what exactly is the form? It's called a COL I, form. I actually emailed you the link to download it, Sandy. Okay, it's, great. great. Yeah, yeah. So you've got it now. It's John, that, it, that's an idea I'll take a look at. I don't understand it. I'd like to read more about it, but I am not opposed to taking aggressive action. So that may be a winning idea. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. They don't want, they don't like us knowing about this stuff as I'm sure you can pretty much already assume. Sure. Um, yeah. And the reasons are obvious. The reasons why. Are obvious. That, that's right. And there's nothing constitutional about what they're doing. And this is why there's, this is why people, you know, like, YRP has such a large audience and growing uh, as, as as well as myself, you know, and everybody else getting into this game. You know, there's the notion that we are the news now. Um, well, that's saying a lot, right? Because nobody, people are losing faith in the, in the media and for a good reason, you know, and it's about time that we start doing things on our own instead of expecting and outsourcing people to protect our very basic uh, civil rights, right? They're very simple. I'll take a look at that. There's an opportunity that I'd be very happy to take action and I don't mind striking out on my own. Hell, I've put up billboards. Believe me, I have no problem doing this. If I can find a way to make this work, I will. Yes. Please, uh, RP, give me my information if you want, man. Sure. Uh, You know, I I happily help uh, in this situation. Thank you. You know, yeah. For the same reason, Sean, that, uh, you know, we are replacing the media. I think that's the same reason why I suggest that people run for public office. We need to replace the government, too. And it's a lot easier to get in at a local level. And just the, the really sad thing is that in situations such as this, there are just precious few patriot attorneys, it seems, you know, people who become a lawyer and who are willing to represent um, uh, the aggrieved and, and, and go after the issues that we really care about. It seems like people become lawyers and then they are either co-opted along the way or they become lawyers and get involved in the judicial system because they're already co-opted. I don't know which, whether it is, you know, it's, it's the chicken or the egg uh, argument at this point. Well, well you- I, would say, I would say my experience has been um, a little bit different. I had for a number of years representation by Mark O'Mara and then subsequently Ben Crump. And both of them, uh, neither are affected or a part of the judicial system. Mm-hmm. Both have great integrity, great expertise, and a great fight in them. And so I consider both of them great attorneys. I consider both of them friends. Uh, I was treated very well by both of them. Uh, ben and I understood I was not his traditional client. 
And we kind of enjoyed that. And so I was fortunate that I had great representation. It just got to a point where this became obvious that it was no longer a legal issue. It was yeah. a political issue. So attorneys weren't going to help. Good people like you and publicity will help. That's okay. right. And, you know, by the way, the language really matters. Uh, this is one thing that I've learned and, you know, uh, through experience and trial and error as well. So one example is the, the word repre- representation, right? Uh, or represent, um, you know, representing. It, you're re- it's, the word means to represent someone in not their private capacity, but their corporate capacity. Because if you look up the definition of a person, it's a corporation, which is what, a dead entity or something like that, right? Corp. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is important because this is what, the bar, it's 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 a uh, um, it, bar stands for the British Accreditation Registrar. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder why. I thought we came to this country for <laughs> a different reason, right? Like, right, right. Uh, it, like your buddy Colin, unalienable. Yeah, yep. unalienable. That word yep. doesn't exist. It's unalienable, meaning you cannot put a lien on our rights. That is very correct if you really mm. think about it. Yeah, Una- unalienable. What the heck, what the heck does that even mean? So this is important. And when when people realize that you don't need to pay some high price attorney just to speak or to represent you, that is a big that that is suggesting something very big here, right? We should be able to even protect ourselves, but, uh, or represent ourselves or rather present ourselves. Um, you know, this is, this is a big deal. Uh, and I encourage everyone to really look into this further because it's, um, it's not what we think. Awesome. Well, I yeah. uh, certainly appreciate you calling in, Sean, and I will put you guys in contact after this. And, uh, if there's any way you can help, I know that Sandy will appreciate it. Very much so. Thanks, Sean. All right. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. for the call, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Love you guys. Love you too, man. All right. We've got one, two, three, four, five people on the line. Don't hang up because okay. we will right. get to you. Caller, you're on the air. Make sure you mute that stream. And can we get your name? It's Roberto, brother. Roberto. Good to hear from you, dude. How you doing? Not too bad, man. How you hanging in there? Allergies uh, off the hook, I hear. I am uh I'm still a little bit under the weather. I'm I'm uh, on the mend though, but uh but yeah, uh doing well in general. Gotta love that uh, pine pollen down here in Florida, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't prepared for it, but it's all over the cars and it's probably all inside the ducks, too. So, uh, so what's you, on your buddy, mind? It, uh, I kind of came in late, but I'm familiar with the case. My condolences to you, Mr. Modell, because this is one of the things that I've been following, you know, since it initially happened. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for what happened, because like you said, this is just flat out murder in in the strictest sense and you made an interesting point about how you know not using a the shall we say a republican attorney and having to go to a democratic type style attorney which is kind of telling when when you when you when you say that because it's like you 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 now have so politicized the the legal system now that you have to go to the complete opposite if you want to get any kind of results done you know True. And I was surprised. And well, and, and you know, it's funny because I, I listened to uh, an interview that you did with uh, a, another another person, and you kind of go into some of the details of Amira Fox. And 
you know, if you if you even look at who's kind of backing DeSantis, which most people aren't paying attention to, it's it's Jeb Bush. And to me, with Jeb Bush, this just seems to have his name written all over it as far as the people that he's connected to down in Collier and Lee County, especially in the Naples area. And it's interesting because if you look at Amira Fox's uh, um, uh, website when she was running for her office again, and you look at all the law enforcement that backed her, I'm thinking to myself, boy, this just reeks of the good old boy mentality, if you know what I mean. Very much so. So, I mean, it's just, and what, what I find interesting is that, like you said, you know, there's statements, especially out of the coroner's office, that pretty much contradict every single thing that goes against the whole stand your ground instance that occurred out of that. And, you know, there's only so much that I can say, but again, my condolences, and I, and I hope something transpires for it, because this, in, in an essence, is total BS. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Roberto. Well, that's about it, buddy. Oh, I appreciate your call, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no worries, man. Always listening in the background. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace. All right. Drunk Pinata coming in next, and then Daria Rourke is after that. Um, oh, no, I don't want to report uh, Roberto. Okay. And we're just waiting for Pinata's microphone to connect. Yeah, uh, Rusty Koala says uh, Soros judges and lawyers. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it seems like it's not it's not only Soros judges and lawyers. I mean, this is why I have such a dim view of the judicial system, because it really it crosses all political boundaries. I mean, you know, the, uh, to me, there is no political party or, uh, you know, uh, as there is no political donor either that is uh, escaping the idea of corruption. I mean, it's just ubiquitous across the board. Uh, let me go through a couple of these donations. We have just a few over on the foxhole. Uh, Ranger Billy said, dropped some gold pills and said, just cause. Thank you very much for that. Uh, just Duckies says, uh, this is such a difficult topic to discuss, and we want to thank you for sharing your story with us, Sandy. Uh, and then Porpoiseful dropped a cookie, Sean Joe as well, and then C. Blanche dropped a can. So thank you very much for the support of the channel, guys. And Pinata, I don't know what is going on with your microphone. Ah, there, it's working now. How you doing, buddy? Doing all right. Sorry. I thought I had a little more time from the previous callers. So my, <laughs> my mistake. I stepped away for just a second. No problem. No problem. Well, welcome to the program. It's good to see you again. You too. Um, I think that I, I, I had a particular question as far as just the broader part of it, right? Like, when do we see the justice system actually being applied? And I'm talking about across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at a lot of the political stuff that we all kind of are in our wonkiness go through, right? You look at uh, the Hillary Clinton example, the type of stuff that they think that Trump did, you know, where yeah. so you have all these different examples that are un- unequal, um, and but they apply it in a political sense. So what is it that's going to tip the scale or write the scales of justice for the country? Is it just the knowledge is the information enough to tip it and to forcing the, the, the populace in and of itself to say, or to at least not necessarily influence judges, but say, the there is no because there's also been this sense right in the past like what year or so they're all we're not going to rule on this because oh the people might be upset well Mm -hmm. is it the right thing or not right yeah 
And so I just wanted to bring that question of like, what, what is it in general or what is the, what, 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 what is the, uh, the goal we should be working towards or what is the, that, that little, that, that Genesis that will get us uh, or the, um, right. Zach, I mean, I I know we've kind of talked about this concept through for for many different topics over the over the years. Like, what's it going to take to really grease the wheels of 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 justice? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it seems like you know this story is uh, very similar to you know a, a number of others that we've heard across the nation. I think it's a little more severe than some of the other instances of uh, of just blatant lawlessness, but. You know, this this should be an issue that gets people riled up. You know, we have murderer on the street walking around years after he committed a crime and nobody wants to do anything. And it just seems that at every turn, Sandy, you have been thwarted. They've just basically told you straight up, this is a case that we're not going to bother to prosecute. And the reason I asked about the, uh, uh, I guess, the the conviction rate or the charge rate earlier is because I'm looking for um, some pattern of events, you know, I mean, like, and, and, and you answered it. I mean, if that area has so many less uh, uh, charges and convictions compared to other similar areas, you know, is it because it's safer or is it because we have people in power who are unwilling to enforce the law when it becomes necessary? And I think that what can what would be that spark pinata uh, would be a, a critical mass of people who are willing to come forward, say something and make some noise about it. Because, you know, I mean, as 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 much as it seems that politicians don't really listen to us. There is a point at which they begin to listen to us. If they hear the same thing over and over and over again, then they get the impression that, well, geez, maybe this is an issue that I should actually be paying attention to. Well, you said something else, Zach. You know, you were talking before about the lawlessness, lawlessness as a result of some of these progressive DAs and their, their ideologies. And mm-hmm. even though I don't agree with that, with them doing that, yeah, I can at least respect the idea that someone was doing something ideologically, as opposed to in this case, and I don't think it's that common, but it's probably not that uncommon. In this case, this is all just um, self-interest. Mm-hmm. Amira Fox put her own interests above her oath, above her job, and um, just clearly decided not to enforce the law on a capital case. So it's not as though this is ideological. This is worse. This is self-interest. This is someone who managed to get a seat at the trough and is abusing that privilege or that trust. Certainly. Uh, I, so- suppose the, I suppose the big frustration is that we, we, we think, uh, because we're aware of it, the cost is already too high. And, and I think our frustration is it, it, it's already been enough to elicit this change. And so I, I think that's where, that's where it stems from. So I guess it's just, Keep pushing, keep pushing awareness, yeah. keep being loud and keep being vocal. I think that's the only thing we can do, you know, and, uh, you know, and like I said earlier, I mean, you go to justiceforryan.com and you can send that email to the governor. But I would recommend that everybody print it off. I mean, send in physical letters, you know, I mean, email is easier for them to just ignore. I mean, that's going to go right. to the governor's don't office. A, don't they have some kind of a thing? They have a metric that says, oh, okay, yeah. if you receive this many letters or this many yeah. calls or this many that they, this much of the constituency is, 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 uh, is thinking this thing. So yes, I, yeah. it definitely is effective for sure. 
Yeah. I mean, well, they, they, they certainly have a, a measurement for that. You know, a certain percentage uh, of the population is actually worried about this if they get so many letters. But Sandy, go ahead. No, all I was going to say is if enough viewers do send in a letter, do take the time to do that, they will be the reason that this case gets moved, that the governor takes action, because he may not care about one guy in Orlando, but he's going to care about hundreds of people throughout the state or even throughout the country because he's looking to go national. And it's going to be the path of less resistance. Your readers and their responses may force him. I'm I'm optimistic will force him to take the kind of action that we all expect. Yeah. We shouldn't have had to go to this length for it, but it'd be nice to have it. No, you know, we've got about three or four thousand people watching right now. And if everybody took the time to go ahead and send that letter out, uh, you know, I think that it might have a a measurable impact. I mean, if all of these letters come in at the exact same time, it, it lets them know that people are still thinking about this. People are talking about this. You know, and it's the kind of thing that I think we should be hounding uh, day in and day out. You know, there's a lot of things that we can very simply and and easily support. And I think this is one thing that we can agree to get behind. And that's regardless of political party. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, it, it, we all have to do something. And I know you, you and I as content creators, Zach, we, you know, we, we, we do stuff. We put stuff out there with the intent of motivating other people to, to act. Right. And I know it might seem small, but just go act, make an action because the, it, it will make waves the more people that do it. Right. It, yeah. So the big, you're going to get a bigger ripple in that pond, the bigger the stone. So just, just if, even if it seems small in, in, uh, in size with enough people doing it in quantity that we're going to get the, the, the change that we see. So really? I appreciate the, I appreciate the time, Zach, and uh, nice to meet you, Sandy. Thank you very much. Good meeting you. Thank you, Pinata. Have a great night, buddy. Bye. All right. We've got Big Willie coming in next. I wonder if this is somebody that's going to do a Bill Clinton impersonation. <laughs> All right, Big Willie, your audio is connected. Are you there? Can you hear me? Willie, can you hear me? All right, I'm not getting any audio from Big Willie. Uh, So we'll go ahead and bring in the next caller, and maybe that audio issue will get sorted out. And they're gone. Okay. All right, next caller coming in. Caller, go ahead and mute your stream. And been, you're on the air. Caller, are you there? Jack. Okay. Yep, I'm here. Hang All on, right. hang on. You surprised that I was waiting for Willie to come back on. I I know. I, I don't know where he went. We lost him. All right. So this is this is the uh, the new and improved Frey and the boys. That would be Loki. Oh, you stole my punchline! I can't believe that. <laughs> Well, well, great minds think alike. I was great minds. Say, this is this is Loki, formerly known as Freya and the Boys. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here. Thank you very much for calling. Thank you very much, Zach. I I enjoy. You know, this might be a good time. I've been watching for forty five minutes, and I know we're talking about something about the legal system, and I have a couple comments about that. But your guest, I'm unfamiliar with. And um, what the story is, I, I'm, I'm kind of reading between the lines. Now, like I said, I've been listening for 45 minutes. So this might be a good time for him to refresh everybody, because I, I'm sure you probably have had a new, lot of new listeners. Sure. Within sure. the last, you know, a half hour or so. 
So uh, Sandy is the author of a, a book called Murder and Corruption in Florida, and it's about his uh, quest to get justice for his murdered son. His son was murdered by a man back in 2016 uh, who was not prosecuted under Florida's Stand Your Ground law, uh, but it was missing all of the required elements of Stand Your Ground. Uh, Sandy, do you want to go through the, uh, the, the, the things that were wrong with this? Well, uh, I think you've hit most of the high points. The state attorney awarded him Stand Your Ground. And Stand Your Ground is not an awarded item. It's in, it's in my book. Stand Your Ground is a claim you make to a court. And then a judge reviews it. It's a preliminary hearing and decides whether or not he should either award you a stand your ground um, uh, hall pass or if it should proceed. But the idea that a state attorney would just say he's probably going to claim stand your ground is uh, an absurd reason to drop a case. For your question, uh, Zach, the elements missing in stand your ground, it's to protect someone who's uh, assaulted and feels in danger right now. They don't have to retreat. They can take action. But it has to be immediate. It can't be later on. You can't go home, think about it, an hour later, come back. So in this case, there was an initial interaction, and my son left. He was gone. He was 100 yards away. And under deposition, the murderer and his wife said he waited somewhere between three and five minutes to go back outside. So right off the bat, you don't have uh, a consistent action. You have re-engagement, which invalidates a standard ground claim. Then you have pursuit because the guy had to go 100 yards to find my son. Then when he found him, my son was seated on the ground facing the other way. He wasn't a threat. Instead, this guy started yelling and provoking him. My son stood up, turned and walked towards him. And then he felt threatened and he took action. You cannot provoke someone and then fear the resulting uh, response. You can't can't create the event that makes you fearful. Consequently, you have re-engagement, pursuit, and um, and provocation, any one of which of those would eliminate stand your ground as a legitimate defense. Collectively, they make it ridiculous. The state attorney in the 20th district awarded stand your ground and has never been ex- able to explain the justification for it. Seven years after my son's murder, her office is silent. When reporters call and say, can you explain this to us? They just say they have no comment. And, you and know, I, just Loki, to, yeah, even yeah. To, to add to that. Uh, a not grand, for a gr- thee, but not for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even even more than that, a grand jury was prepared to indict this man for murder. And the state's what you're saying? No, no, no. Zach, the state was prepared to indict mur- uh, three guards in a different case. Oh, OK. OK. Fox, uh, Amir Fox shut that down and was uh, was written up. And the coverage uh, was awarded a Pulitzer Prize, but that was not my son's case. Okay, I apologize. I was confused. No, no, no. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. But there's but, a pattern there on her part. Boy. A pattern here on her part that says she doesn't go after murderers if she has a reason. And in mm-hmm. my son's case, it was vengeance because I campaigned against her. And she wanted the NRA endorsement. Wow. Oh. That's what we've got here, Loki. You know, <laughs> that reminds me of that Arizona story that just came out recently, that that old man that that uh, killed some uh, illegal immigrant that was crossing through his property. I don't know the oh yeah the ins and just. I don't think anybody does yet. Well, that that you know, to me, um, I mean, that for him to be charged with murder, I mean, that seems to me to be a, a travesty of justice. I mean, 
this it, it was known that illegals were coming across his property. Uh, this guy in particular had been deported a number of times and was coming through his property. And uh, who knows what the interaction was. But, I mean, like, that was... Yeah, you, we could all read through the lines yeah. of what the interaction was. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? mean? You know, and, I mean, there's... There, there is there 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 is a reasonable assumption that somebody illegally crossing your property in that way, you know, may have gotten defensive. I mean, for whatever reason, this guy had every right to protect himself, you know. But this case right you know, here so, is is wholly so, different. Well, yeah, well, yes, I'm, and I, I I'm going to get get to something that I just received today in my own home state of Minnesota. But it reminds me, I'm a disabled veteran. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, if somebody would come at me, I could defend myself a lot easier than I can now. Sure. You you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I have carrying conceal, carrying conceal, and I I carry on a regular basis. And what's my what's my threshold to to be able to defend myself? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have to wait I, until I got hands on? Whereas if somebody got hands on, I can't wrestle for two minutes straight anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't do that. So I'll have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But, you know, I mean, it's a very different you know, thing. It's a very different thing to be defending yourself in your home than it is to actually, you know, go the length of a football field and pursue somebody and then provoke them into some type of a, a situation where, you know, suddenly you have the need to to draw your weapon. You know, I mean, I said earlier, I mean, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the Second Amendment. I mean, I, I have guns all over the place, you know. I mean, I would totally protect myself in a heartbeat. But as gun owners, we have a tremendous responsibility to not only understand the law, but, I mean, understand the consequences of our actions if we choose to use a gun. You know, I mean, I said in the trailer for this, you, you can't put the bullet back in the barrel after it leaves. You know, I mean, like there better be a damn good reason for you to be firing yeah. that gun and your life has to be in danger. You know, and I mean, I, can, I can't you think know, of any other situation where this situation could have happened and the killer would have been able to get off scot-free. I mean, they have a, they have a, they've tried people who shot uh, intruders in their home. I mean, violent intruders. They have gone after people for murder. And and the thieves themselves have went went along and sued the homeowner for getting shot for something like this. I mean, it's just, it defies logic. Zach, I'll give you one other piece here. Okay. I haven't gotten to it, but over the years, um, the murderer claimed the night in question he was scared. And the police mm-hmm. said he doesn't, None of his actions represent fear. They all represent aggression. Mm-hmm. Since the murder, I have... Big rec- difference. Well, since the murder, I have received, I don't know, probably a hundreds of text messages from the murderer. You've, se- you've received text messages from him? Oh. Horrifying text messages. What the hell? You can't... You can't well, they're in chapter six of the book. Wow. You can't... You, if you read those text messages, you will know all you need to know about this guy. You look at those text messages and you'll realize he wasn't afraid. This is a, an arrogant, hot-headed uh, sociopath that wanted to be able to kill someone and took the opportunity. And the, the sad part is the, uh, the, the corrupt state attorney in this 20th Judicial District let him do it. If you so- look in Chapter 6, of the, at the end of Chapter 6 in the book, You'll see stuff that'll make your eyes bleed. 
I promise you. So what what precipitated you know, that, you know, him? Re- one of the reasons why I brought that point up about that 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 elderly gentleman in Arizona was because so you got one side of the story, or I wouldn't say your story necessarily, but you got one side of the law that is going to prosecute this old guy for for taking advantage of of the laws that this criminal took care of, took advantage of. But for totally different reasons, and it's our government and our judicial system that is uh, being manipulated by the forces that be to pick and choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it's agenda. Dri- it's clearly agenda driven. I I see your point. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, everything is backwards, upside down now. And that's a point that keeps on coming up in, in this uh, this uh, community. Mm-hmm. And this is a good example of it. Yeah. Perfect example of it. I, got, I have an, an, another comment to make. Okay. In Minnesota today, uh, there there's a bill on the Minnesota State Senate floor that they want to pass laws, gun restriction laws, saying that if you have weapons in your home they want to they want to pass a law to, to tell you how to store those weapons and what they want is the ammunition's got to be separate in a different room you have to have a barrel lock on and all that's sort look look it up if you can and look at those laws. i mean those these laws is so we're boiling we're getting to this point where the cases that we're talking about like like your guest has it they're they're funneling it into a, a way that they can start prosecuting whoever they want whenever they want all they need to know need to know is certain little elements of a case and they can come and uh you know you had an argument with your neighbor oh he's got two ars and two handguns, you know, it's sort of like the red flag law, but it's another sure. way around it. It's sure. not a red flag law at all, really. But uh, I know this guy uh, doesn't store his weapons, right? And all we have to do is go in there and find that out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, they're, it's, they're in, it's interesting. Your, your death story to, to screw everybody else on the backside. Yeah, they can uh, go ahead and, and and allow the criminals to do whatever they want. You know, the thing is that uh, a, a sane person would never find themselves in the situation that uh, that this man did. You know, I mean, your son was blameless here. Maybe he made a mistake going to the wrong door. He woke um, somebody up at two in the morning. He'd had yeah. too much to drink. You know, yeah, but I mean, like, that's, that's far from a capital offense, you know? I, I mean, a, a, a normal person would have interpreted this and handled it in a completely different way. You know, so for for this to have been the end result and for the courts to completely ignore it and allow it to just go on, uh, I mean, it is such a grave miscarriage of justice, especially when you, you understand that they're trying to regulate guns and, uh, and ammunition in a way such as that in Minnesota. You know, I mean, because even if they do find a reason to take your guns, 
the psychopaths like this guy are probably still going to have guns. I mean, and they're not going to store them in any particular way. We're, we're gonna, yeah. 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 They're going to do whatever they want. My, my, my greater, my greater point is that they pick and choose. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it yeah. does everybody damage on both sides of the argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in a place like and, Chicago, yeah, for instance, I, you know, I, I, where they don't allow you to have I, weapons. I, I, the, the the criminals still have weapons and they can do whatever they want. They'll regulate the hell out of the people who care about the law. And then the people who don't care about the law, they'll continue to do whatever it is that they want to do. And they won't be prosecuted. Exactly. Yep. You know, and my heart goes out to you, sir. Oh, my, I, I can't imagine what that must be like. Thank you. You know, and as I'll, parents, I'll give you a short parents, story. As parents, I think we all I remember know. once. Yeah, I deployed once, right? And I came back, and I had to go to a school out in Virginia. My son had turned 18 years old at the time. And while I was gone, he totally destroyed my house. Left my dog alone. I mean, it was a big ordeal. And uh, he he basically ran away or whatever, and uh, he was homeless. And the news media got a hold of him. And they're all going to help him out. And... uh, the news media said that he had a falling out with his father. <laughs> and I laughed. I'm like, that's not true. We, I, I, I haven't seen him. We're going to have a falling out once I, once I have a, a, a conversation with a young man. But uh, that, that's not true. And it's so weird how the media just makes up their story to fit whatever they want for the week. Mm-hmm. It would you know, seem- me and my son, we have a good relationship now. In fact, my, my dad just died, and we went to the, his funeral together. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, just, uh, yeah, well, Zach, it's a whole other story. Fully yeah. jabbed and boosted like four times. Mm. His cancer was gone. You know, he's 82 years old, though. His cancer was gone for five years and then came back. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. But but anyways, so I have a good relationship with my son now, but I remember the news media reporting on him because they gave him an apartment and they gave him a whole bunch of hand-me-downs and this and that. And within three months, he got kicked out of the apartment. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, typical, you know, he's just a young man. Yeah, yeah. Figuring out his way. And he, he's done a good job. He, he's stayed out of trouble. He's never been arrested. Uh, never, you know, and he's got a good job now, and you know, I'm I'm very oh. proud of him. But you know, we Glad go through things like that in life. Certainly, you know? certainly. All right, well, Loki, listen, thank you for your call, buddy. I really appreciate it. All right, well, God bless you guys, God and bless. Uh, I, will, I will I will pray for you, sir. Thank you so much you. for you sharing your story, and together we can all make a difference. You know, one way or the other, when it comes to our our judicial system and. Uh, you know, another quick story. I called my sheriff's department. There was two sheriffs that wrote a letter to our state Senate opposing that, that gun control bill. Uh-huh. And my sheriff was one of them. And I called them this morning and thanked him. Just left a message. And I think if we all do little things like that, when they do the, the right thing, it'll make it a lot harder to do the wrong thing. That's a good point. You're right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
All right, brother. Well, thank you again. Appreciate you and have a great night. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. God bless. We'll see you. All right. We do have Big Willie back on the line. We'll go ahead and try this again. See if it works. And waiting for the audio to connect. Uh, I want to say thank you to uh, Sean Joe and to Tanette Booth for dropping a can and a cookie. And then FilterDog1 says keep pounding. And I would imagine keep pounding uh, the doors of these politicians to try to get some action on this case. Uh, Willie, you're on the line. Hey, can you hear me this time, Zach? Yes, I can hear you this time. How are you, sir? Big Willie here talking about one of my favorite things, corrupt government. I thought I'd call in because that's one of my favorite things, corrupt government. <laughs> that's exactly what we're dealing with here. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Uh, what what program are you using to be able to mimic these voices? Well, I'll have to email that to you okay. and let you know. It's kind of a secret. It's, Hillary, it's on Hillary's server and I'd get in trouble. oh yes please please do please do i would like to play around with this (laughs) hey i got a lot of time on my hands since i can't go to you know that one guy you didn't kill himself island yep yep (laughs) i got a lot of free time around the house now and uh hillary oh oh, be quiet here she comes i'll just email you because here i'll have hillary email you okay (laughs) okay all right sounds good Oh, thanks for the call, Big Willie. Appreciate it. All right, we'll see. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. I just want to see if there's any uh, other chats that have come in on the line here. Um, Over on uh, Cash App, thank you very much to Rise Attire and uh, Last Mimsy. Thank you very much for that, Last Mimsy. Uh, Over on Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, no, nothing over there. All right. Uh, so, uh, as, as we were saying, you know, we've got this, uh, this, this letter writing campaign that we can help, uh, get involved with. Uh, is, is there any other way, Sandy, that people can directly support you and directly support your mission here? Obviously buying the book, I think will help because that will continue to fund you and your efforts. Well, it's more than funding. Um, because the, uh, the book prices are, are relatively low. I couldn't put them any lower uh, because uh, Amazon wouldn't allow it because of their publishing costs. But it's not the funding so much as understanding the facts. For instance, mm-hmm. you look at the text sent at the back of chapter six, they're horrifying. It's horrifying that one individual could do that to another, much less having someone whose child you murdered. Mm-hmm. So it tells you everything you need to know about this guy. Um and uh, so the book sales are nice because it gets facts out and people will n- learn more about it. So they can easily enough send a form letter to the governor without the book. But with the details of the book, they might want to go a little further. They might send another letter. They might call a congressman or a state rep. They might do something that uh, that just triggers something. Maybe they know somebody at Dateline or 48 Hours. They may do something that is above and beyond just because they've seen more of the facts. Right now they're hearing you and I talk about a synopsis. Yeah. When you read the case, when you read the the history behind Hillary, uh, now he's got me selling, saying Hillary, <laughs> read the history behind Amira Fox, um, it's it's frightening that that person is in an elected, elected position. I believe I mentioned in the book that I think she's committed more crimes than the people she's tried to indict or tried mm-hmm. to charge. So if you look at that background, then you look at the uh, uh, the the murder 
And if you look at the facts of the case, according to the police who investigated it twice, Mm -hmm. it starts to be pretty clear. This is a case that should never, as you said, never have gone beyond calling the police and they would have found my son and said, you know, if you've had too much to drink and you're knocking on doors two in the morning, that's disturbing the peace. But I think you and I both agree, and you seem to stay that, uh, say that a minute ago, that's not a capital crime. Mm-hmm. And uh, the punishment for disturbing the peace should not be execution in the middle of the night, much less a state attorney corruptly awarding state, uh, awarding stand your ground and saying, well, there's nothing we can do. He'll probably claim that. It wouldn't have held up. There are no elements of stand your ground that are involved in the case. And again, I have met with, gosh, dozens of people that are experts. The former state attorney, uh, a former state attorney looked at this and said, there's no question about it. Um, former prosecutors, uh, both defense attorneys and now, uh, well, defense attorneys as well, former prosecutors, journalists, uh, politicians. Everybody that's looked at that has said, this is a murder. So how can so many of us see the crime? And yet we're represented by two people, a corrupt state attorney and a governor that turns a blind eye to it. How can we have that kind of representation over such an egregious event and come up with nothing and let a murderer walk the streets? It doesn't make any sense. Sandy, why did he text you? And and was this just like a, a one-time thing or did he like text and taunt you over a period of time? Texting and taunting over a period of time. It started because he objected to the um, the wrongful death suit. Okay. And as a result, you'll see some of the text in there in chapter six talked about the fact that uh, um there were some physical threats. There were some legal threats. There were some horrifying statements about my son. Um, just um, if you read them, I think as you're sitting there hearing me describe them, I don't think you're envisioning a fraction of how bad they are. I mean, I can tell you what they say, but. I mean, I'm I'm horrified just at the very thought of it. I mean, that's like a level of hubris that I don't think I could personally muster, but knowing the situation, I mean, it's just sadistic for oh, him yeah. to, to, I mean, I can only imagine, you know, what he said. I've got a copy of the book, obviously. I just, I haven't gotten that far in it, but I mean, you, you know, I mean, I, I, this is the first thing that I'm going to do when we get off the air is go read exactly what he said, because I just can't imagine that. <clears throat> I mean, he must have been, a hundred percent aware that no matter what he said, the people in charge were never going to change their minds because that's the last thing that a murder suspect should be doing is talking to the family of the deceased. I, I mean, I just can't even fathom it. Well, it it's really, um, it goes strictly just to who he is. And the police said there was no fear that night. This was all pure aggression. So he was not defending himself. He went out to go teach someone a lesson and um, eventually felt the need for deadly force because he caused such a problem. But he objected to being uh, uh, on the wrong end of a wrongful death suit, didn't like it, um, made all kinds of physical threats, made all kinds of uh, um, uh, legal threats, 
made horrible statements about my son. This went on for years. This went on for years, as recently as last year. Was there ever any physical intimidation? Like, did he ever drive by your house or, like, you know, follow you in public or anything like that? Uh, he lives in um, in West Palm Beach, uh, Royal Palm. It's about 200 miles from my house. Mm. My daughter lives nearby. He drove to my daughter's house on Christmas morning. Oh, my God. What happened then? There was a confrontation, and he left. But the point was... This guy drove 200 miles on Christmas morning just to, I don't know, just to frighten my, my five-year-old granddaughters. I have twin granddaughters. That's and what you're dealing with. They would have been totally justified in shooting him. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, not to, not to not say that we... Christmas morning. Obviously, it's not, you know, you don't want to do that unless you have to. But I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'm just trying to see, you know, if the roles were reversed. And I mean, he essentially came there to intimidate your family, scare your grandkids on Christmas day. That's so disgusting. That's typical of this guy. That's typical of this guy. Chapter six at the back of it, he lists a whole bunch of things. Some I can't repeat. I can tell you, he sent me a photocopy of a t-shirt he had made. And the t-shirt said, I'm sorry. I said, what, what was the, what did the t-shirt say? T-shirt said, knock, knock. Who's there? And then it says, I know it's not Ryan Modell. Oh, my God. In the book, you'll see it. What a prick. Yeah. I can't. I can't. That's horrible. That's what I've been dealing with. Wow. And I've got a state attorney protecting a guy like that who just committed murder. By the way, he also had a, uh, tell you what a uh, looney tune the guy is. He had a Facebook account under an alias name. It was found by investigators. Under an alias name, and there are images of war and killing, and uh, he didn't have an actual picture up. So all the people he was talking to were uh, young girls. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. He's a pedophile, too? No, they weren't that young. They were in their okay. 20s, but he was okay. in his 40s. Okay. Uh, wasn't a pedophile. It was skanking around. I don't yeah. believe his wife knew about that account. And, um, yeah, he was on there with an alias extolling war and guns and shooting and violence. The, the police found it. Is, do you know if him and his wife were still together? I mean, I just, uh, it, it seems a, a strange situation to be attached to. Well, uh, there were issues or anecdotes, uh, anecdotal um, mentions from neighbors. The, uh, the investigators talked to neighbors and there were, uh, discussions of abuse, uh, uh, very serious fighting between them, alcohol issues, marijuana issues, extensive. Um, so there, there was all kinds of domestic nonsense on the front lawn from time to time, stuff along that line. Um, that was in um, that was when he lived on the West Coast. On the East Coast, it's con- it's continued. Uh, neighbors reported seeing her being kind of dragged out the front door with a, a nose bleeding. Wow. And maybe so, she walked through the door. Is is he getting a free pass on this stuff too? Uh, if the wife doesn't file charges, you know, tree fell in the woods. Nobody's I, there. I guess I I guess I thought that with domestic abuse, I mean, at a certain point, I I thought it was out of the hands of the person that was actually being abused. I thought that the state had a duty to act if they know that there is some type of violence like that happening. If they're notified, 
the neighbors know. Uh, he told all the neighbors when he moved to uh, the East Coast that uh, this had happened and it happened in his living room and so on and so forth. He lied to all the neighbors. I have heard from neighbors. I've heard from people all over the state, either with similar circumstances or that knew him or that lived near him. I hear from his neighbors on a regular basis. They despise him. They despise having to live near him. Mm-hmm. They want to do with him. He has caused trouble. He's uh, he's had trouble at uh, uh, dog parks. He's had trouble in their, their common areas and just an ongoing problem. The guy is just not fit to live in normal society. That's why he murdered somebody. Normal people don't do that. No, no. no he's... You won't. But your your threshold for you to use one of those guns is absolute self-defense. Yes. This guy wasn't defending anything. He was going out to make a statement. Oh, it's horrible. He, um, one of the guys that I know is a, a former combat vet. And he said a lot of guys that go home, there are guys that go home, not a lot, but that felt they should have done something more proactive out there, something they can talk about. And this guy was uh, in the Army, did a tour in Iraq. Um, nothing, you know, not in a combat, active combat area, just uh, maybe a good contact medal. So never got to feel like he was really doing something. And it, it really looks like he wanted to go kill somebody. He was walking around there, that neighborhood, two, three in the afternoon on a regular basis with a loaded um, 10 millimeter, as I mentioned, with a, a laser and a flashlight, but five extra oversized clips walking around a neighborhood two in the afternoon with 60 bullets. I don't know what event you think is going to break out that would require you to have that much ammunition. Sure. No. It's hard to envision. No. Uh, yeah. It's hard for me to envision it. I mean, there's a, some places in the United States I can think of that you would want to make sure that you're protected. And, and a lot of people down here have their concealed carry permit. But, I mean, that just seems like a little bit of overkill. I mean, clearly this guy was looking to provoke a situation where he could uh, John be. Wayne. Yeah, John Wayne. That's a good way to state it. All right. That's, do you, the, that's the way the police said it. So, do do you want to identify this guy? Do you want the audience to know his name? I mean, can you say his name? Yeah, his name is uh, James Stephen Taylor, and he lives in Royal Palm. His name and address is on one of the emails, one of the texts that he sent me. He sent me texts for four, maybe five years without ever getting a response. His name is in Chapter Six because. He identifies his name and, and his address, and he'll defend that to his death. And he's got all kinds of lunatic stuff. Wow. You know, uh, when I was doing research on this show, uh, I did find a number of stories talking about it, you know, contemporaneously at, at the time that it happened. But, um, you know, I, di- I didn't really see a lot of outrage from the media. You know, I mean, I, I was kind of surprised about that. I mean, they jump all over cases that have to do with gun violence all the time. And this seems like a, like a prime story that they would want to be reporting on, or at least, you know, trying to make the public be outraged. And it just didn't see it. They were misled. The state attorney's office said this was a Marine defending himself inside his house, in his living room. So they made it. And this was a break in a robbery break in and a Marine defending himself. And it occurred in his living room. Mm -hmm. None of those things are correct. But if you tell a lie often enough, people believe it. And certainly they controlled the narrative for the first 10 or 11 months. So a lot of the media thought this was a robbery and that it was a self-defense thing, clear and, and simple. And it just wasn't. So it's not surprising that a corrupt state attorney would also put out false information. She campaigned on this. 
And when her opponent would ask her about it, she would go back to the break-in, Marine defending himself in the living room story, six, eight, 10, 12 months after this had all been clearly disproven. Wow. So what, once, the, go ahead. once the, once the real story came out, did any of these uh, news agencies correct the record? I mean, did, did some did, some did. Some did. Okay. Some, did. Um, some of the bigger, uh, certainly the Tampa Bay did Tampa Bay Tribune, the, um, or Tampa Bay Times, I'm not sure which, the Orlando Sentinel. There's been coverage from AP. They've been great. Um, so there have been places that have done coverage. Um, it's just that uh, they're playing catch-up a little bit. So, so obviously, the like the, the story, the, the, the death of your son, is a story in itself. But, I mean, what about the bigger story of uh, the refusal of officials to do anything about it? Have, have they reported on that aspect of it? Not much, not much. I've been trying to get, uh, I've been trying to get a focus on that. But uh, the fact that uh, the state attorney is corrupt, mm-hmm. uh, that's not surprising anybody. Maybe that's a sad reflection on our times and our government, yeah. but that's not surprising people. The fact that the DeSantis is turning a blind eye to murder while preaching law and order at the same time, that's not surprising anybody. So we've gotten to a level that bad, bad performance and, and unethical performance by by state officials is not coming across as shocking material. No, there's a, there's a level of apathy out there for sure. I mean, people just expect it, and that really is sad. Um, okay, we're almost at the end of the show over here on uh, Rumble. Kelty11, thank you for that. For that uh, says, can A.G. Ashley Moody do anything? Also, I just watched a DeSantis roundtable on YouTube on February 7th on Forbes, breaking news that may have some insights for Mr. Modell. My deepest condolences, sir. Uh, so, yes, uh, on YouTube, published on February 7th, it was on Forbes, um, under breaking news. That's that's all we've got. But uh, that was a DeSantis roundtable. Perhaps uh, maybe things will change. But, uh, you know, uh, getting back to the idea of Ashley Moody doing anything about it, unfortunately, uh, you found that she appears to be co-opted in some fashion herself. Well, cha- moving the case would be the governor's choice. Uh, her choice would have been to pursue properly ethical violations. Uh, Miras had five or six claims filed against her, mm-hmm. and they had some real serious documentation. And Elizabeth Walker from uh, from Ashley's office always says the same thing: no probable cause. Oh, cases in the, book. the cases are in the book, and the documentation's there, so it's clear to see it. Um, and I'm hoping at some point uh, the governor either decides to do the right thing or is pressured by your viewers and others to do it against his will. I don't care which way he does it. I don't care what the reason is. It just needs to be done. And we need to, uh, we need to find some justice for Ryan. Absolutely. All right. And on that note, we're going to call it a night. Uh, you guys can go to the website, justiceforryan.com. Uh, you can also purchase uh, Murder and Corruption in Florida on Amazon. Is there any other place that you'd like to make sure that people are aware of? Any social media sites, any other websites? No, the uh, the website, the Facebook site, Amazon, and, um, and the governor's office, uh, the address and the phone number are listed. If uh, there's enough traffic there from your viewers, Maybe we move him off center and uh, and get some action, in which case I'd love to come back and and tell you the results are, are largely your efforts and, and to thank you, viewers. Well, that would be great. So please, uh, as I said earlier, we've got about three or four thousand people here right now. Please, if you wouldn't mind 
go to the website, send a letter off to Governor DeSantis and let him know that this is an issue that we definitely want law and order to be upheld on. This is just not right. And uh, everything that we've heard tonight, it just I'm, I'm left aghast. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing. Before tonight, really, I've thought that the problem that I, that we had in this country were the left wing prosecutors. But, you know, it, it goes to show you that uh, political affiliation doesn't mean anything if they don't want to move the needle on something. They don't have to. And that's because they are the law. And uh, that's something that we've got to change. So uh, I want to thank everybody for being here with us tonight. I want to thank Sandy for having the courage to uh, continue to tell your son's story and to get the the word out. Um, I had a couple of people suggest some names uh, that might be interested in helping out with a documentary. I, I, I know a couple of people who uh, are documentarians and filmmakers. And so if I can do anything else after tonight to uh, help move the needle on that, I think that that would be great. Uh, it's certainly uh, something that would be worthwhile. And I think a lot of people would be captured by uh, what happened here. So um, that happening. thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So thank you again for being here. Thank you to Sandy. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow night at 9 p.m. with Kristen Ruby. Remember, the first hour of the show will be on Rumble. And then the second hour of the show is going over to Foxhole exclusively for the call in portion. So make sure that you have your account made at the foxhole.app. You can also go to pilled.net, P-I-L-L-E-D.net. Get signed up at the Foxhole, and uh, and then you can participate in the call in tomorrow. Thank you guys for the good calls tonight, and uh, thank you again, Sandy, for being here. Everyone at home, absolutely. Good luck and God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Andy.